0: Hello everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you.
1: How are you this morning, Dr. Paul? Doing well, doing
0: well. Good, Trying to learn how to clean up a lot of messes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Just understand them is is my, it keeps me busy enough. No kidding. And, uh, of course, we've been thinking a a lot lately. The media has been reporting a lot on uh, what's going on in Afghanistan. But I guess that's going to linger and smolder. And, uh, you know, the the very brief comment I can have about this is, you know, some people are saying, finally, it's over, it's over. And I keep thinking, let's hope so. Yeah. You know, because sometimes when it's over, it really isn't over. Because I don't think for a minute our CIA and other uh, agencies will be totally absent from that since we get involved in so many elections and everything else. But but anyway... uh, uh, I think uh, it was a step in the right direction, and, and uh, in spite of the fact that the criticism is there, the fact that uh, some, the neocons are hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> so, but t- today I want to start off with um, you know a, a consequence of, of the war in the amount of money we spent. I think it was I, I think it was a, tr- a couple trillion yeah, total a <laughs> over 20 years, and uh, it was uh, 80 as 80 billion dollars training the military and uh, people are sort of jokingly now saying you know the military didn't do well they didn't defend their country so they had a lot of money they had a lot of support and uh, the army uh, that is the afghan army that was opposed you know the taliban it dissipated very quickly and they're uh now we're starting to hear how many thousands of supporters we have over there i'll bet you there's a lot of taliban oh i'm your friend now yeah. i'm your friend and if they have any chance of being charged uh with uh not being totally supportive of the taliban their life is at risk so they, they they're concerned but even the, the americans you, you know there's a uh, a lot of business activity going on in business there i was uh, of course, the the first thing we do, the weapon, we go to the finances. We froze their assets mm. in billions of dollars. So, so they did. They were doing business. I don't know whether that was all drug trade money or what, but uh, they froze froze the assets uh, uh, of the Taliban. But they'll figure out a way uh, to do that. But the big the big thing about this is something I've talked about for years that. we buy weapons and we don't want to fight so we send the weapons to people our friends and sometimes we go you know into vietnam and these different places and frequently we don't come out uh victors (laughs) but uh, we have to leave in a hurry and we leave a a lot of weapons behind and it's happening once again which means uh even if 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 the weapons aren't used against us, it would be used against anybody who is supposed to be our friends. But quite frankly, there are many examples throughout history where those weapons that we paid for and sent over there got into the hands of the wrong people because it's, you know, they say, well, we're in some circumstances, uh, it'll be argued in Congress. Well, let's just send it to our friends. We'll send food and, you know, the good stuff to our friends. But it it doesn't work that way. It's it's whoever is. Uh, it's whoever's in charge, which war party's in charge. And most of the time it doesn't work. Anyway, uh, we have evidence, and it's out in the open. Got a lot of weapons over there. And in, in due time, some of that weapons may filter into another hot spot that we are just getting ready to get active in and uh, inevitably uh, the pain and suffering has been already uh, felt by all the expenditures and the people who died over Afghanistan but uh, just those weapons will linger and uh, it wouldn't surprise me a bit to see some problems come up uh, down the road where those weapons are literally used against us.
1: Well, the real postscript of 20 years of war in afghanistan 20 years we spent fighting the taliban and now we are their biggest weapons supplier <laughs> yeah. you know they have inherited by default uh, billions of dollars worth of weapons in the country which they will use of course to solidify their rule in afghanistan uh but you know nobody cares it's, it's i think it's probably one of the biggest money laundering schemes in history because all of the manufacturers of the weapons They all got paid, everyone got paid. Now nobody cares that our weapons are all there. And in fact, let's watch this first clip, I guess the first 20 some seconds of this clip. This is the White House, uh, this is actually the national security advisor to President Biden asked about uh, what's going on with these weapons over there. Let's listen to what he has to say.
0: What happens to the billions of dollars worth of weaponry that the US gave Afghanistan? Does the US have a plan for that or does it remain in the Taliban?
1: We don't have a complete picture, obviously, of where every article uh, of defense materials has gone, but certainly a fair amount of it has fallen into the hands of the Taliban. And uh, They said it's fair to say that some of these weapons have gotten in the hands of the Taliban. So you're thinking, yeah, maybe they got a couple of rifles or whatever. But well, let's look at a couple of these clips that are just scanning Twitter, uh, basic uh, Twitter scan. Look at what kinds of weapons that we're talking about here, Dr. Paul, if we can... Go through some of these clips. Uh, Billions spent on Afghan army ultimately benefited the Taliban. That's our point, $83 billion. Here they are on some Humvees, but let's go through a couple of these other ones, these pictures. Let's look at the next one. Here they are. Helicopter. Taliban has released dozens of pictures of seized weapons, including tank, U.S. drone, helicopter. Let's look at the next one. Here they are in a helicopter. They're in some Blackhawks. Let's look at the next one. This is a great point. The Taliban are now in possession of more Black Hawk helicopters than 166 other nations around the globe. Let's look at the next one. Look at this room full of guns, Dr. Paul, literally full to the ceiling of weapons that the Taliban have captured. The next one, really quick. Tanks, tanks, drones and tanks. But here's our illustrious chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley. Let's look at the next clip, Dr. Paul. Here's what he said just three weeks ago. Afghan security forces have the capacity to sufficiently fight and defend their country. And we will continue to support the Afghan security forces where necessary in accordance with guidance from the president. Just three weeks ago, he said everything is fine. He was lying through his teeth then. Is he going to pay for it? (laughs)
0: They're, well, yeah, they'll probably put a for sale sign out there. Come here, we're having an auction yeah. and, and we'll spread this out around. But, you know, what? how this will serve the interests of the military industrial complex is, you know, in, in the current and the usual debate, when it comes up to the military, they say, we're in bad shape. There's a shortage. And, you know, even if parties change, even if we go from the Democrats to the Republicans, it'll be the same stories that, they, you know, we're, we're way behind. We're not able to. And then they... What's something that used to really bug me and it still does is that uh, we have to have a two-front war. Yeah. And there, there's all, not enough weapons to both be in the east and west. And every once in a while, they'll talk about a three-front war. And uh, I guess they have to think that way when we're in 120 potential dangerous areas. But uh, this, it, it is, it is, this is a, um, a a tragedy in the sense that it's very, very evident. It cost a lot of money. Didn't do any good killed a lot of people and it's still they're not gonna rust away there. Somebody's gonna get those things and use them against someplace. Sometimes they drifts off into another country.
1: And actually we've seen video of them flying some of these US military helicopters. So they're they're <laughs> not they're not backwood goat herders. They know how to get things done. But it happens so often, Dr. Paul, and we talked about this before the show, that the weapons end up in quote, the wrong hands after an intervention. It happens over and over. Syria, Libya, Iraq why does it always seem like they, hand, they end up in the hands of Al Qaeda and the others? It seems like it perpetuates the war machine. We've got to give them those weapons so they keep fighting so we
0: have an excuse to go back and give them
1: more weapons.
0: But, but it shows you uh, what the pressure of an organization like the military industrial complex can do. I mean, they spend the money. Sometimes they uh, they, they don't even uh, have stuff to buy, you know, not for our defense. I mean, how, how are those rifles now that have been involved in this war for 20 years, how did that help our national security? It, it helped destroy it because it contributed to our bankruptcy, you know, and we paid for all that stuff. It's not like somebody else paid for it. Uh, and, and we we suffered the consequences, and the payment isn't finished yet because uh, there's going to be some more blowback from it. You know, uh, the fact that they have those weapons. What people
1: may have forgotten after 20 years is that Afghanistan did not attack us, nor they could have have they could have attacked us. The Taliban did not attack us; they had nothing to do with it. The people that attacked on 9/11 were here inside the country legally right? They were here. They were immigrants. And now we're going to import 100,000 more Afghans to the country. That seems like a real good idea.
0: Well, I mentioned this the other day. You know, they uh, uh, the reason why we're there was to uh, find the people and get to the people who contributed directly toward 9-11. And of course, uh, the, the Taliban wasn't involved, but uh, they uh, they did drag Afghanistan and they stretched it and decided we're going after Afghanistan before we're going to go into Iraq or someplace else. Yeah. And uh, But to, to me, uh, it's significant, and yet there's no way for me to know this is the case. But I thought it was rather ironic. We get in there and it was overwhelming. And they, uh, uh, America's just took over that country. But at the same time, uh, they more or less had uh, bin Laden cornered, yeah. you, you know, at Tora Bora, and lo and behold, Tora Bora, he got out of there. He, he escaped all that money, all that uh, activity that we had, and he got into Pakistan where he set, where he was for a good many years, and we just uh, didn't bother. So there's a lot of things there, but, but you. Can't, you can't really dwell on that because you don't ever want to be called a conspirator, okay. unless the conspiracy is real.
1: It sure is real. <laughs> but the real issue, and the final word I guess on this, the real issue is the policy. The, the endless interventionist policy that fuels endless wars. There's only so many times you can say, wow, that was a real mistake. Wow, that was a real mess up. Wow, we really got that one wrong. Before you start wondering if that's already baked into the cake, that it's supposed to be wrong, we're supposed to let these things go, the wars are supposed to continue endlessly, you know?
0: Well, you know, I think they need to think more. We as a country and our, our uh, leaders yeah, two ways to try to prevent that. One, look at our military activity as a moral principle. Do we have the moral authority to pretend that we can go in there and, and change the uh, the religious social culture of a country like far away and w- when we're totally unwelcome? So we, we don't have the moral authority, but we don't have the constitutional authority yeah. either. I mean, it's war. And, of course, uh, uh, it, we don't go in because our security... Security is threatened. If we were truly uh, threatened, we'd probably destroy the enemy, and yeah. it would be over. What happened after World War II? P- but that, that's that's not the case. And so, but th- that's what we we do. We have a country, and our leadership totally ignore that. But uh, it's also embedded into our uh, educational studies in our universities, as well as in the media. And now the the uh, uh, social media, so that's that's the tragedy. Um, I think I will go on to our next uh, item, and that has to do with our governor.
1: Yeah, Governor Abbott. Governor
0: Abbott. In trouble. And he um, uh, he says that uh, you know uh, he well, he he told. Told us, uh, you know, that he's positive for COVID.
1: Yeah.
0: And what I find interesting in this is he is positive, but also in the headlines, it's uh, you know he was vaccinated.
1: Yeah. Double vaccinated. Double
0: vaccinated. So he's obeying his laws. You know, at least we can't say he didn't do it. Uh, but he's been um, he's been too ambivalent on the uh, on the on the masking. So some some of the articles, which would be the lefties, uh, they would say yes, he got he got COVID, and uh, and they'll they won't talk about about the vaccines. It happened to have been vaccinated and didn't work. They say. Oh, and he's the one that was against wearing masks, yeah. as if they were implying he, he ended up getting it because he was neglected. He was careless. And that's what spread it. The evidence does not show that he got COVID because he didn't have masks. He might the relationship might be a, an argument might be a lot easier to make and a lot stronger that there might be a relationship between, uh, you know, the vaccinations and uh, him still getting it. That's an issue that has to be sorted out.
1: Well, we were told originally that, obviously, if you had the vaccine, you're not going to get COVID. The president himself said that you're not going to get COVID-19. Well, that's not the case. And they said, well, there are a couple of breakthroughs. It's not a big deal. It happens any time. But now you see so many more, and now including the governor. In fact, let's put that next clip up. This is a release from his own office. There's so much wrong with this statement, uh, but let's just take it apart. Governor Greg Abbott today tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. The governor has been testing daily. Uh, That's one thing. How many people are testing daily? Maybe that's why the numbers are going up. (laughs) But then he says Governor Abbott is fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Okay, well, something is weird here then, right? Because if the shots work, then how did he get it? How is it possible that he got it? And as you point out, the left is having a field day. They're laughing. Uh (laughs) He deserved it because he wouldn't force us all to have a mask mandate. Why wouldn't they stop for a second and say, hang on a minute? if these vaccines are so great, how did he get it? How are people getting it all over the place? What's going on here? No, they would rather score a political point against someone they hate, than start questioning what is, the heck is going on here?
0: You know, there's one doctor that's, uh, I believe practices good medicine, has treated a lot of patients, and uh, he, he under, uh, I agree with his understanding of science. And he makes the point that uh, if you had if you had the infection, uh, you should never get those uh, those those shots because of the complication. And if you had uh, if it, it, the repetition, he, he's claiming that there's complications from the vaccine from the vaccines that causes these problems. And, uh, and and people keep saying, well, you're vaccinated, so it should have been cured. But maybe there's a cause in there, especially if you have two or three of them. That to me, is a mess. <clears throat>
1: It is, and you know what's happening, we talk about it a lot. Everyone is talking about Israel because Israel is really the perfect lab because they vaccinated so early and so heavily. Let's look at this next quote. This is from an article in Science Mag, uh, and this is a quote from uh, 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 Yuri Shalit. He's a bioinformation expert at the Israel Institute of Technology. He says, there are so many breakthrough infections that they dominate, and most of the hospitalized patients are already vaccinated. And this is the article goes on to say, as of 15 August, 514 Israelis were hospitalized with severe or critical COVID-19, a 31% increase from just four days earlier. Of the 514, 59% were fully vaccinated. 59% of the people that are seriously ill in Israeli hospitals are fully vaccinated. So... Well, they first said you can't get it if you get the vaccine. And they said, well, and uh, uh, the uh, Walensky, the director of the CDC, well, it no longer prevents against uh, uh, getting the disease, but it makes the disease less severe. Well, now the data we're seeing out of Israel, 59 percent of the people that are seriously ill are double vaccinated. It raises questions even about that issue. We don't know the answers, but the questions are increasingly disturbing
0: and uh un- unfortunately if it's finally decided and uh the more truthful science is, is discovered it's going to be down the road and uh it won't correct the problems that have already existed because right now you know the temptation is is we need the vaccine no matter what vaccine and then uh, that doesn't seem to be enough another one it has to be repeated and now they're up to three and who, who knows what oh well we know we have a better vaccine yeah. you know that on and on so they, that to me is is uh, tragic
1: but that is the big thing they're pushing now which is the booster you got to take a third shot now but hang on a minute if the first one and the second one didn't work how would a third shot of the same thing work better the third time is there a new study is there an alternation uh, alteration they did to do the to the vaccine what makes you think that if one and two didn't work, the same thing a third time would work? I, I don't get and it. And
0: then the blame is on the non-vaxxers. They're yeah. the ones who cause the trouble. Now, if these things work and if they need three or four or five and, and uh, they want everybody to do it because they care about the non-vaxxers. Yeah. They, like, and they, they, uh, they go ahead and they, they, they do this, but they, they want to blame the other people if what they did, it would be who, who cares? You know, if, if if you and I want to take a risk and not do it, we can't spread anything. If the person said, "Well, we have the answer, and we are, we're we want to do good, and we want to make sure you're protected as well," yeah. they should be protected. We really, it's really a setup to use the principle of voluntarism. You know, you know, don't tell tell people that they can't. You can't have a mask and you can't have vaccines and all this, but you shouldn't be forcing people to do that. It's exactly opposite of what should happen in the free country. There should be choices made. We should be pro-choice. And, of course, in this area, we certainly aren't pro-choice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, let's look at the next one because Thomas Massey, as usual, has a very important point to make. If we can look at that next clip, probably going to have to make that a little bigger. Uh, well, this is the blaze. They put out a tweet yesterday. The Biden administration is poised to announce COVID-19 booster shots for all Americans, contradicting FDA and CDC guidance. And Massey said, if vaccine immunity lasts only six months, can we now acknowledge that natural immunity is more durable and longer lasting? Which study after study have shown, including one just, I think, a week or so ago, long lasting durable immunity if you have gotten the virus and gotten over the virus why will nobody talk about it?
0: Is it a shame that we have to come from a very defensive position yeah. to talk in that manner about uh, you know natural immunity and these sort of things so but anyway now you think uh, that uh, the administration is off on a wrong course and I'm glad Thomas is there talking yeah. about it. So um, you want to look at this one clip before we move
1: on to the next one because this is one last vax clip because this Uh, If you can just play that, put that last clip on, that next clip on. This is New York City. They're saying you've got to show a vaccine passport. Show us your vax. Proof of vaccination is now required to enjoy restaurants, bars, gyms, movie theaters, museums. And it's ironic because they show an African-American there smiling with his vaccine passport. The reality is African-Americans in New York are disproportionately unvaccinated. They have chosen not to be vaccinated. And in fact, they are victims of the new Jim Crow. They can't go to any of these things. They don't even get a separate uh, water uh, t- a tank to have a, a drinking fountain. They just simply can't go. But the other irony is, as we find out, that the two vax is not any good anymore. You've got to have three vax. <laughs> All the two vaxers are now are just as bad as the anti-vaxers because they're not vaccinated. So the whole thing is so unbelievably up in smoke and insane and crazy and illogical. You just wonder how long the the center can hold.
0: Well, what you just described is, uh, you know, the silliness of uh, vaccine passports, and that's their biggest goal. And uh, because it's so bizarre, I think they're running into a few problems, and I I, I think uh, that is very, very good. Um, Well, um, I wanted to talk also about uh, the FBI. Yeah. You know, this this has just come up. The FBI allegedly told the informants in Whitmer's kidnapping plot. That this is something. Yeah. I don't want to dwell on the details of this because we don't know the details. But it's out there and they're talking about it, that there was a plot to kidnap her. And that became pretty bizarre. And uh, it looks like somebody might have been caught as uh, faking this whole thing. Could you believe if somebody would yeah. fake it? But, the bigger thing is, is the uh, the uh, excuse now that they're given, they say, the FBI might have been do it, participating in the faking. Yeah. Like that's that's pretty hard to believe when yeah. you get that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they do that. This entrapment thing has been around for a long time. Uh, but it, it, it just seems way out of whack. It seems like uh, there were a lot of wacky things done in this last year and a half uh, over uh, the viruses and things like that. But uh, on, on this thing of Whitmer, uh, you, know, you know, it just is, is so weird. But I guess uh, if, they, if they'd if they have had their way and they could have entrapped somebody, it, it wouldn't have been uh, any liberals. <laughs> yeah. it, it would have been somebody that was off the walls on in the other direction. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's just another case of the FBI infiltrating one of these groups. And in fact, I think in the Michigan case, they made up a majority of the participants were FBI agents and informants. And one of the defendants, uh, Brendan Caserta, he was indicted, and he claimed that the FBI was encouraging him to lie about who was involved, to delete his messages, and he saved some of these messages. And it looks like the case itself might be blowing open because he has the proof that the whole thing... Was cooked up by the FBI. They were recruiting people to participate in it, and of course, the unspoken uh, question that we all have then is, what should be spoken is, what was the FBI's role in the January 6th so-called insurrection? If we know now that they were deeply involved in the Whitmer thing, were they involved in January 6th, and to what extent?
0: Yeah, and of course, there's been books written about the FBI in potential or possible involvement in the Robert Kennedy assassination and of course that's that's so sad you hate to even think about that but uh, people have done a lot of research on that. and someday I think we'll get to to the bottom of the whole thing. Yeah that's right. uh There's uh, oh I just want to mention this. I don't, we don't want to go into detail because it's rather long dissertation. And that has to be the CDC <clears throat> has has an ability to report adverse reactions to vaccines. Yeah. And it's a public service. It makes a lot of sense if you're getting medication of any sort and they keep a public record. It isn't it, it isn't done like the people sending in have to have PhDs or MDs or anything else. They just said, you know, I had such and such uh, medication or I had the vaccine and this is what happened to me in the next 24 hours and, and they put it down. But it still has some bearing because they can trace back uh, these reports over many, many years. How many reports, if they get two reports, uh, uh, it's, it's nothing. But what if they get many reports, hundreds of thousands and all, or, or, or many? Then that starts to raise, uh, raise question. But uh, there's now hints that there's been a lot of fraud in the reporting of the vaccines injuries. Uh, I believe there are injuries that you can't deny it there are some but the extent of it is the big question yeah. you know because they give a lot uh, and their big argument well it's just a small percentage well that's true but unless you're one of those percentage you know my argument is if it's you or your family that's hundred yeah. percent you know so so anyway there, there's a lot there. But uh, our, our, our friend Alex uh, Berenson, who used to work for the New York Times, yeah. uh, he writes about this and uh, he thinks there's a lot of shenanigans going on.
1: Yeah, I think he's reported just on the Moderna vaccine 300,000 adverse react- reports of adverse reactions. Uh, and again, as you say, these are not uh, pr- pr- proven, investigated, they're not confirmed. But when you start seeing so many of these being reported, and we know the VARES database the official CDC database, again, not verified by the CDC, of course. However, when you start seeing maybe 10,000 potential deaths and we know that it's underreported, it does raise a lot of questions. And the question we have is why aren't people raising questions (laughs) about the questions raised by these questions people are having? And the answer is just shut up and take your shot.
0: Well, are you planning any trips to Melbourne? Not lately. Well, uh, yeah, and I don't think we should go there to learn about how you deal with epidemics. Yeah, <laughs> <hard> <laughs> I, I want, uh, I, wa- I want to go to some place where people deal with the principles of liberty and Sweden, solving, yeah. in solving problems, economic and social problems. That's what, that's what we more need more of. But uh, in Melbourne, they. Uh, you know, and, and the other day we talked about more alcoholics. Yeah. You know, uh, during the epidemic and all the problems, and more suicides with children because of the lockdown. Uh, but Melbourne has a solution for this. Uh, there, they <clears throat> because they're all messed up on this, and people are resorting to alcohol. And he's, but but they have to have tight rules on this. They don't want to be careless. So there will be no more drinking alcohol with your mask off. Huh. So, be tricky. so I guess, I don't know, will you have, are you allowed to use a straw <laughs> no. or something? But that, that's the kind of thing that they come up with, that they're going to come up with a solution. And for some reason, <clears throat> I um, don't think it's going to make a difference other than it's just going to undermine common sense and personal liberty and will not help in one way. And you really hope that people wake up and say, this is stupid. There's no right laws like this. And the only good then you can say is the benefit from this is that people finally woke up and found out that governments are not our solution.
1: It's almost becoming a joke down in Australia, the kinds of (laughs) things they say that in New Zealand, don't talk to your neighbors, don't talk to anyone, don't take your mask off even to eat. Okay, that's gonna be fun. But well, I'm about done. I will just thank our viewers again for watching the show. We've had some pretty good numbers lately and we're happy about that. Please subscribe. If you think you're subscribed, you may not be, so double check because that does happen. Uh, also go to ronpaulinstitute.org and subscribe to free updates from us there at the Institute. We need to be able to keep in touch these days. People don't want information to get out. They want people to stay home, shut up, don't talk to anyone, uh, but as long as we can, we're going to refuse to do that. So please subscribe and continue watching the delivery report. Dr. Paul? Well, I'm gonna finish up with
0: You know a a, an effort uh, to come up with something positive and sometimes it takes a little effort Uh, There's something going on in in France uh, and they have done um, a little bit better than Some of us expected them to do but but the businesses over there now are refusing to enforce france's vaccine passports so that is good and one thing i noticed it's the smaller businesses the big companies you know if you own uh, uh, large professional organizations or big companies manufacturers they're enforcing the law for the government but in this case the government wanted wants corporations to, to do the enforcement because then they escape it we're not doing the, it's not the government it's the business people and they have a right to do this regulation and make you wear asking and all this uh but uh, they uh the the smaller companies over there are just f- flat out refusing uh to do it which is uh, i hope i hope it's contagious <laughs> that effort so so we'll see <laughs> but uh, i want to uh finish by just thanking our viewers once again for joining us today because it is uh, uh, your support that uh, gives us encouragement. And uh, uh, believe me, we need the encouragement as well too. But we're also very, very fortunate that we have so many people that are very interested in digging out and finding out what the truth is. And uh, there's bits and pieces out there. And uh, the one that annoys me the most is uh, this idea that science has settled it. And that is so much nonsense. I, there are rare occasions when science settles things forever and ever, they're permanent. But sometimes science just opens up the, uh, the discussion, and there are more things to talk about in order to look onto, into the future. But anyway, right now, there's a, certainly mixed mixed up. And medical science and medical care is not going to be settled by bureaucrats, they're not going to be settled by edicts, by Dr. Fauci. That has nothing to do with health and uh, health and good good medicine practice so that is a problem I think just like so many things should be dealt with in a voluntary manner outside of the rules and regulations of government other than the fact that people should be responsible and liable but here we're dealing with the 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 government going out of their way and taking away the liability from the companies that manufactures vaccines, it is exactly the opposite. So, if you had a free society, you could have vaccines, and and they would have to tell you what's it there, and your doctor would have to help you figure it out. But you know, if uh, they're if they're derelict in their responsibility, they should be responsible and liable for it. But we do the, exactly the opposite, and that's done in more times more times than one, and in other instances as well. So the the whole principle that you can't uh, resort to a free market and volunteerism is that things would be much worse nobody would nobody would take care of these problems that we have but the trouble is if you want if you have banking problems or medical problems and you have to write a law especially in Washington DC the people who come Uh, You know, this have rules and regulations on drugs. The drug companies come and do it. You know, the special interests get to really participate and write those laws. The bankers write the banking regulation. So the answer is not found in Washington. It's not found in regulations, except for the basic principle that the regulation that everybody should follow for moral and uh, economic reasons is you can't use force to have your way. If you use force, then 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 you're breaking the rules and the laws and there should be prohibitions against that. But the whole answer to these problems is voluntarism, which on the mask thing, why are we fighting over these masks? Why shouldn't it just be if you want to wear a mask, go ahead and wear a mask if you think it's good. And if somebody doesn't want to, why should why should that individual that, that wants to wear a mask force somebody to do it? What's the motive? It's authoritarianism and a feeling of power, and it's epidemic. Businesses gain on it. All politicians seem to gain with this access to power and executive orders written wholesale. So most of the time, uh, compared to government especially, answers to our problems can be found in a free society where things are voluntary and people reject the notion that we cannot bring about social or economic changes by force. If we want peace and prosperity, that, I believe, is the way to go. Thank you very much for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.